0: Hey everybody. This is Keith Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast. Hope everybody's having a great week. I am here at the Band Cave, um, and I have two guests with me today. Um, I have Todd London, who is a... I'm going to read some stats about him in just a minute, but basically, he is a Belmont percussion instructor, teacher.
1: Correct. Yeah. You great it. to
0: have you on here. Thanks. And also, I have the other end of the spectrum. I have Andy Waller, who is a Uh, junior year, drummer, you're in a band and everything. And uh, Andy is applying to colleges and you're going to have your senior year this next year. And so you're thinking about a career in drumming and going to college and all that stuff. So I have both of y'all here. So (laughs) um, feel free to ask me questions about being in a band for so long and ask um, uh, Todd some questions about uh, college and things like that. He's been in bands before, too. So we have a wealth of experience here that you can draw from.
2: We got all ends of the spectrum. Now, all ends yeah.
0: of the spectrum, yeah. And it's great for us, for, you know, like for Todd and myself to hear – from people like yourself who are young and inspiring like what is it that turns you on about music and what are you thinking about doing and uh, the sort of the younger generation because that's fascinating to me to, to learn about you guys and what what drives you and what you listen to and you know what what you consider great music as to compared to what we think you
1: know? right and, and and the way they consume music is so different from how exactly we yeah. consumed it as well really
0: absolutely yeah and because it seems to me that music is such almost a, a disposable thing anymore you know, it seems like you listen to it and you're just like, eh, you know, and the attention span seems to be kind of shorter and shorter. And,
2: uh, and yeah, even- well, and something that I actually, I love talking about just the evolution of consuming music just in the last 10, 15 years, because going from when now, obviously I can't speak for, you know, when you guys were growing up, but, uh, going from the, the platforms, like napster and limewire where it was just very sketchy and okay right yeah. illegally giving each other music and stuff like that and kind of going straight from that to just unlimited music for like nine bucks a month on spotify that's a pretty cool yeah it's like the story of how it got there is is a really cool yeah and back thing in the 70s about.
0: you know we made mixtapes all the time we oh, take yeah. records and make mixtapes nobody ever you, you knocked on our door or chased us down or you know <laughs> <laughs> tried to take us to jail or anything because the quality was kind of like like you said it's kind of sketchy like right. you couldn't get a good mixtape on cassette like you could like mp3s and that kind of thing
1: yeah yeah it's <laughs> Yeah, the, the new way of consuming music is is great for the consumer. Not so much for the, the artist right. or the the producer in some ways, but I can't really really, really, attest great, to that very really well. great for the consumer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, it's
0: a it's an interesting time in music right now and I think um, it's great to have you on here, Andy, who's somebody that's uh, kind of coming up and you've got a lot of questions and a lot of uh, inspiration and you've got a lot of plans that you're thinking about the being a professional in the music business. And yeah. here's the two of us who are Slightly jaded, but, you know, we've been making a living at, you know, music for so long. Well, that's that good. I, I have a lot to learn right now, so. Now, when I say jaded, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that we, we've we seen things come and go so much, you know, and change right. throughout the.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the great things, I'll just say this, about teaching and being engaged with students that are younger than me um, and have a different perspective is, is, is I, it keeps me fresh and I continue to learn um just about adapting to new technology adapting to the new ways of producing and consuming music and you know like that if if I were not plugged in with students I would sit at home and just get mad probably you (laughs) know but it's like now my students are like no this is cool and and so I I'm, you know, ins- I'm grateful for the return of the single, basically, right, which yeah.
0: is basically what we've seen, like which hasn't happened since the '50s, right? Right? Yeah, yeah I
1: mean, like when I was a kid, uh, which I basically started consuming music in the '70s, you know, as a, you know, middle schooler, um, the, the that was when the album really. St- was flourishing you know and and so i was buying albums and my sisters who are a little older than me they had boxes full of singles you know but uh and then we went cd world but now we're back into this phase where people just pick and choose what they want so it's just like going to the record store and buying the latest single i yeah, think so right. i think that's cool
0: it's kind of come back to that hasn't it yeah, yeah yeah and i think it's good in a way because you know if if you have a good song that's out there and people latch onto it they might listen to more then that's like a advertisement for mm-hmm. hey listen to the rest of our record and and that's probably like elvis and uh bands in the 1950s that would put a single out and hope for the best you know and then after a while then they'd buy another single and they'd come to your show and i seemed like that but that whole thing
1: worked yeah it's it just seems like it's a good a good marketing strategy for for bands and artists these days. So I'm gonna
0: read through some of the, just to introduce um, Todd here a little bit. He's been performing with the Nashville Praise Symphony, the Alabama Symphony, also plays with Chester Chester Thompson, who used to play with uh, Genesis and all that. He was the other Phil Collins second drummer or whatever you want to call it. He played drums while Phil Collins sang. Um, uh, Matrix Percussion Trio, Belmont uh, Faculty Jazz Ensemble, as well as Susie Boggess, who's a good friend of ours. Orchestra Nashville, Pan In Harmony Steel Drum Band. I think that's really cool. Deep Grooves uh, Steel Drum Band, and a lot more. And uh, so, and he's also the uh, percussion instructor at Belmont College, and uh, he's also performed as the featured vibist and percussionist in numerous ensembles from the Nashville Jazz Workshop. Very cool. He holds a Master of Music degree from the university of georgia at athens with a major in percussion performance he teaches applied percussion ethnic percussion commercial percussion seminars and directs the belmont world percussion ensemble that's a lot
1: it's a lot of stuff how do you sounds good
0: it sounds like a busy schedule to me and you also play
1: live a lot too like you're i play as much as i can because I, i i tell people this all the time i i play number one because i love to play And that reminds me of why I got into music in the first place. I didn't start out to be a teacher. I didn't start out to be a composer or any other hat I've worn. I got into music because I love to play drums. You know, and so and that's as long as my body and my mind hold out, I'm going to continue to do that. Yeah,
0: I I think that's just like when I started out, it was like for me. Coming up in high school and that kind of thing, thinking about a career, playing drums was just the easiest thing I could think of to do. It was the most fun, and I thought if I can make a living, just make pay my rent and be able to eat, <laughs> playing drums. I don't care. I don't care about getting rich or anything. Mm-hmm. I just if I could play drums full time, that's all I care about. And then because to me that was just the easiest thing for me to do. Counting off a song, the band comes in, keeping the band together, keeping a groove and all that. That was just as easy as walking down the street for me, and it's, it's still the same today. Um, how do you? So, Andy,
2: you. Wh- what's the name of your band you're in? So the band I'm in, the name of it is Fly to the Sun. Uh, we make we kind of started off making uh, rock music, and we're, we're drifting kind of more towards an Americana pop. When you side. say making, are you talking about recording too, or yes, like yes? Writing so, and recording? Um, I going back to what you were saying about like the return of the single is that's something I've had a lot of personal experience with because. We just recently. We've always been self-recorded, but we just recorded at one of the, uh, at the 1979, which you might know that studio here in Nashville. But I know um, what. You, yeah, okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, and something that's so great about the digital age, I think that's why the singles have returned in the way that they have, because it really lets people just pick and choose what songs they want to listen to, without you know much difficulty. Because Without being stuck
0: listening to like a whole album of something right, or whatever, exactly. you just like a single. Hey, I really like that, and I'll move on to the yeah. next thing.
2: So that made it. That was really great for us because that project we just we just released an EP called Passerby, Passerby. and um, the way we did it was we it was just four singles, and we released one a month, and that was great because it kind of it gave us the opportunity to kind of let the audience sit with it for a month, you know, and anticipate and, what's coming up next, right? Right. Yeah. So instead of because it's really easy to just drop a bunch of music on an audience and then they'll you know be way too overwhelmed to listen to the whole thing so we figured it would be better to release them as singles over you know a few months and that ended up working out really well
0: for I guess us. it's like giving somebody a whole truckload full of food and say go eat that right now right you know? yeah <laughs> you want to kind of pace it out a little bit right <laughs> so that's really cool um now I saw a picture of your uh, my girlfriend's a photographer and she that she had met you guys and she right. I saw some pictures of you guys playing at that uh, get together and your
2: drums what kind of drums are those those were the, I've never seen those before okay so the, there's a really interesting story behind those drums so the um, the brand behind, uh, of those drums is, they're called Whitney's they they're, almost look the like toys drums. they almost look like a, a little <laughs> toy kit because you don't see the like the the rims look different you don't see the they wood rimmed kind of, yeah yeah um, so so I um it's the way it's kind of made to be a com- I have a like a bigger kit but it's kind of just a compact gigging kit where all of the actual like like all the toms and the snare all fit inside the, the kick drum I see. yeah and then so I can for gigs like that one we played where it's like we were just trying to get in and out with little difficulty it's really easy to bring that but yeah. it's a really nice kit and the story of like actually finding them is really cool because um, my granddad has always brought me to this music festival called Moral Fest I don't know if you've heard of it but um, Moral Fest Yeah Moral Fest Um, and there's this band that always uh, played there that I loved called The Waybacks and I got to I got to meet their drummer and he had these drums Yeah and he just How would you describe the
0: drums? That you said they're wooden. They have wooden. Yeah, so
2: they're wood rims. So they're very fat sounding most of the time. But that's nice because like I can I can switch out snares if I need to. Yeah. If I need to get you know different sounds, but for the toms and the kick, it's very good. I think for gigs to have like a really deep sound because it's like especially when you don't know if you're going to be playing a bigger venue or like a bar it right, kind right. you, you need something to re- that resonates well so it's compact and it's they're deep sounding and the wood does that so it's nice That's great
0: yeah I, I just saw that and I was just kind of like what kind of drums are those I couldn't even tell you what brand they were because I've never yeah. seen them
2: Yeah they're not it's not a very <laughs> big brand yeah they're just I just cool. it's I just called the guy who makes them and I said these are the specs I want Yeah <laughs> and it took like two or three months and then I got them and they're great I love them that's cool
0: so uh, so Todd um, being the Belmont uh, percussion instructor one of the questions I had for you as that is um, when you're looking for students when students are applying to colleges and they're 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 applying to this percussion your percussion courses and things like that what is it you're looking for in the student someone like someone like Andy that what are you looking for? Uh, because I know applying to colleges, it's not easy to no. get into what you want. Now, what are you looking for? Does, do you have, is there
1: some kind of selection process? Um, yeah, I mean, as, as you would expect, we obviously have an audition um, procedure that we go through and we have uh, all of our um, requirements and things are posted, you know, on the website and um, interested students go there and, and take a look at that. Um, you know, Belmont's, um, our particular program there is is a little different because, in terms of drum set, because it's not jazz-centric, okay. necessarily. Yeah. It's not a jazz drum set program, though we do jazz, and there's some great jazz players that come through that program. Um, that's not the primary focus. So um, when students audition for us, we're looking for you know well-rounded players, um,
0: meaning like they can play all different styles. Yeah, we want uh,
1: that's what we do. We we run them through a range of styles: some rock, some funk, some jazz, um, uh, you know, a few Latin grooves that high school students would probably know, um, and then usually shuffle. Which is if a person can play a shuffle, then that's a pretty good indication they yeah. can play drums, right? <laughs> so. Um, and then uh something else we're really big on is um they also have to do like a snare drum mm-hmm. piece and then um a marimba piece so they and have this is to
0: reading like they have to sight read this
1: uh, well or? there'll be some sight reading but they have to prepare a piece okay for okay. um snare drum and marimba um and the snare drum i mean that's you can make that connection pretty easily because you just want to see their hands and that development
0: see if they can do double strokes and yeah. whatever you know yeah.
1: and and read a little bit yeah, right? Okay. Um, and then the marimba that one's sometimes a stretch for some of the drum set guys but that one tells us if they have any experience reading pitched music right. which if you're going to major in music in college you have to be able to read pitched music or else like take piano be, or something like that. You're going to yeah. be in trouble when you get in the theory class. If you can't tell, oh, that's an E, if you have problems with that, you're going to struggle in those courses. So, mm-hmm. I think it's, um, and often, you know, if students come to audition and they struggle with those things and they ask us, well, what can I work on? That's maybe the number one thing. It's like, take some piano lessons or get with a teacher percussion teacher in your area and study some mallets so you can work on that pitch reading and and also recognition and being able to match pitch as well Mm -hmm. because it's it's important particularly as a music major. Now now if you just want to play drums, you may never use those skills in your life and that's cool. But if you want to come to school uh, and get a degree in it, then those are really important skills.
0: We were talking earlier uh, before the podcast, you and I, about that, um, that It's fascinating to me, that moment of spark, that spark that happens when you're teaching a student and you teach them something, you 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 instruct them in such a way that they sort of light up and they, they're just like, oh, okay, I totally get that now. And you said you might have a story to tell about uh, about one of those moments, which I'm totally fascinated with that whole thing.
1: Well, I, I don't know if I could pick a specific one. Um, I mean, I've been teaching a long time and, and um, there's been you know, a number of those moments. And like I told you earlier, it's like they don't happen every day, right? Right. Um, It's kind of like those athletes when they say they were in the zone, right? It's kind of that it 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 doesn't happen all the time. So, um, yeah, I think one of the things that keeps me excited about teaching is trying to figure out how to reach my students, right? Like I was teaching a lesson earlier today. Well, the the, uh, Belmont student, and she was uh, struggling a little bit with some bass drum technique. Was it a one-on-one lesson? One-on-one lesson. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so, um, you know, she's playing. I'm watching, and I'm, I'm formulating ideas. Okay. How can I explain this to her um, in a way that's going to make sense? And so, you know, my job, I feel like, is there's never one way to teach something, right? So, And students learn in all different ways. I'm sure you, you learn things differently than I do and teach. So you have to find those ways to reach them. And then when you do, and like you said, there's a light bulb moment. It's like, oh, that totally makes sense to me. And then when you really know it's, it's hit them is the next week they come into their lesson and there's a jump in their play. Yeah, you know it's gone to a different level, where they've taken that idea, and they've really soaked it in and absorbed it, and and you start to hear it come out and what they're doing. And they
0: probably you probably inspired them in such a way that they practiced a little more, or or they changed their practice routine yeah. to where they f- were more hyper focused on whatever you had told them, whatever you taught them.
1: Yeah, I, and I think that's that's part of the key. I think is and particularly in today's world it's difficult for people to focus right I mean mm. um, and so if we can get them to do that then the, that's a big plus but yeah those kind of moments um, I'll, t- I'll I will tell you a specific example and this was for me personally um, as a teacher you know because I grew up um, certainly in academic world jazz has been king in terms of teaching drums and and rightfully so right there's so many things that go into playing that music and learning how to play that music that benefit you and every other aspect of music um but i had really gotten into playing afro-cuban music right and spent a lot of time playing that and and i i realized one day as i was practicing this stuff i was like wow the the connection between this music and pop and funk especially is so much more direct in many ways even than jazz right and so that then became sort of the impetus for me to really start having my students focus a little more on that kind of playing because it was easier for them to make connections. It's like, why do I have to work on all this syncopation stuff and reading jazz big band charts when all I want to do is play pop music or funk? And, you know, but then I could have them work on some Afro-Cuban groove, and it's like, hey, do this, make this slight adjustment, and you got a really cool funk groove happening. So you know, that was a real moment for me. It was an epiphany for me as a teacher. Um and and then yeah, translate that to to those moments when students when it really yeah, makes sense to them, it, and and again I'll, I'll I'll go back to to the uh, the young lady I was having a lesson with earlier today, when she came to Belmont she she I mean she's plays with great energy but she never played jazz really, she comes into her lesson today and she says you know what I went to two jazz jams last week, that I mean. You know, wow. for me as a teacher, that's like cool.
0: You opened up Pandora's box in her brain,
2: and
1: now right. this is the
2: jazz Pandora's box.
1: I'm yeah. Just like
0: jazz, I love it. You yeah, I,
2: I went to I went to Rudy's jazz club for the first time a, like a couple weeks ago, and it was like I'm I'm still I'm kind of starting to get yeah. more into that 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 style, and it's like it's very it's very eye opening to see someone who's gotten just so good at it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's very inspiring. And, and good
1: for for you the good news is is uh, now in Nashville there's that there's a lot of jazz jams opening up you know yeah. I mean almost almost every day of the week you could find one and many of them are all ages uh, the one at Rudy's they do on Sunday nights I think it's all all ages so uh, and actually uh, Sunday nights at that club are or all ages so if you just want to go hear live music as someone that's under 21 that's a good time to do it Um, because you don't obviously you don't have to be 21 you can go check out some great music how does that work
0: at a jazz jam do you just kind of put your name in the on the list and they call you up or something i've
1: never done that just put your name on the list and uh, yeah they just go down the list and call you up
0: you come up there and uh, do you have an idea of what you're playing or or do or do they just throw something at you
1: sometimes usually for drummers sometimes drummers don't get to make the choice a lot of times you play whatever the whatever the piano player wants to play (laughs) or or the guitar player or whatever you know melodic instrument might be there but sometimes you get an you get an option and particularly um most of them are going to have a house band so there's always some members of the house band up there playing it's never just the people that come for the jam and so um a lot of times, like, say, for instance, you're the drummer coming to play the jam, maybe the bass player and a piano player in the house band, and they'll, and they'll ask you, well, what do you want to play? So then as the drummer, you get an option to do that. But cool. um, yeah, it's a great training ground, and I encourage young musicians to, you know, don't be afraid. Yeah. Just go for it. And if you don't want to play the first few times, go listen and just observe the process and, um, and hear what people are doing. And if you know it's like oh wow I don't know if I could do that then hey that's inspiration I go home and check out the music and wow. and work on it. So uh, Andy what kind of things
0: are you working on in preparing for uh, going to college and all that kind of stuff are you taking business courses or something like that and I guess that was going to be a question to you do you think that something like uh, your college if you're going to be a musician uh, if you're planning on that uh, would it be wise to take some business courses?
2: Right so um, my um, what I plan on trying to major in is like music industry or music business, right? So, um, what I'm happy that I've already done is that I've already taken AP Music Theory in at my high school. So, like we were talking about before, about how it's important to even if you're drumming to be able to understand the theory of music and you know melodic instruments. So I've already kind I've already kind of got the ball rolling with that. Uh, right now, the focus for me is just I'm trying to learn as many different styles as I can. Just because I think, again, so what you would call a well-rounded musician, <laughs> right. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think just being well-rounded going into auditions will be a big deal, and then I've, I'm also take. I also took uh, AP Economics last year too, so. Yeah. I'm just trying to, you know, round myself out the best I can, and then we'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the best advice
0: I could give you, just from being in a band and all that kind of stuff, is find. a a couple or a couple like a couple of good or if not a good bass player make good friends with bass players because you're the rhythm section and that has always served me really well i've right. always been good friends with bass players and inevitably somebody in a band the drummer will be leaving and the person the bass player will always raise a hand and say i know a great drummer you know i know a great guy because they're going to listen
2: to him he's part of the rhythm section right yeah my, so, the uh the drummer in my band is uh somebody i've been really good friends with for the I drummer think, in your band? Yeah, or, I think we we first met in like kindergarten. But you're the drummer, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, I meant to say bass player. player. Yeah, oh, bass player, yeah, the bass player. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a fraud. Uh, no, the ba- <laughs> the um the bass player in in Fly to the Sun is a really good friend yeah, of mine yeah. who I've known for about 12 years now. So um, I've
0: always had a good all my 41 years of playing, I've always had a good rapport with the bass player because you're always kind of back there and you're holding it down and you're supplying that groove, and you you know they they want to get where they can see your right foot. I've known a lot of bass players who are very visual. They'll just look to see when when you're hitting. Are you hitting on it? Are you hitting kind of ahead of it or whatever? You know, so, yeah. yeah.
1: And, when, and when you don't have a good relationship with a bass player, it can be, <laughs> it shows. It can
0: be tough. It can be really, yeah. Yeah, it can really the be tough. The band feels it, right? Yeah,
1: because yeah. there's a there's tension. Yeah. Uh, musical tension. And it might not be, you know tension like that i, don't know, I hate you but you, you feel the musical tension
0: right yeah absolutely yeah um, that groove suffers
2: if, if the bass player and the drummer aren't on together you know yeah. it is interesting playing with other like other bassists especially after you've been because once when you've been playing in a band and you've been playing with you know one bass player or if a bass player's been playing with one drummer you know you kind of form like a st- like like the two of you kind of form a a really unique kind of style and going out of it, if that's all you've been doing, is a really kind of interesting thing to do. Kind of a bond. Yeah.
0: yeah, Right. Um, yeah, totally. I, but anyway, I was going to say that was my, uh, just, I thought I'd throw that advice out there for you um, because I appreciate it. (laughs) Um,
1: and you had asked me or, or thrown the question out about the, the business side of things or taking business courses or whatever. Um, yeah, I, th- I think any sort of uh, knowledge uh, and any t- sort of skills that you can acquire in that that area are going to be very helpful to you because as a musician, you are a small business, right? I mean, that you are. Yeah. And so you need to manage your, yourself that way. Um, you're an entrepreneur, so you need to, to, to learn what that means and, and what does that look like as a, as a musician. Um and every every spring, I, I, I'm fortunate. I get to teach a class. Um, it's called the professional musician, and that's my one of my few opportunities where I have people in my class that aren't drummers. Right? I, I'll usually okay, have a yeah. few in there, but I had singers and bass players and guitar players and you know gamut of of instrumentalists and vocalists in there. Um, and the number one thing I say to them, you know, and we talk about. You know, taxes and making sure you're keeping good records so you can do your taxes and how to budget, you know, and all those kinds of things, and, and how to create, you know, a social media presence and all those things. And all of that's really important. Uh, but the one thing that I, I tell them, and I would tell you, Andy, and I think Keach would agree with this um, we're in the relationship business and that's what it all boils down to and that's never going to change I mean all the technology may change around us and it will but the one thing that's never going to change is relationships and if you can't successfully cultivate good relationships it's going to be really difficult for you to be successful
0: yeah I, I totally agree with that yeah it is definitely so um I guess uh one of the, another question I had for you was um, uh, your practice routines. And now you you're you're a performer, and you're you also compose. Um, and I might add that uh, I thought it was pretty cool that you composed some songs for soap operas, right?
1: I did that. For, I that's uh, that awesome. Was really cool. About like, fifteen years.
0: Was it Guiding Light or uh, Guiding Light and, was the main
1: show, yeah. and uh, As the World Turns did a bunch of stuff for them. Isn't as that cool? Well.
0: I think that is so cool.
1: And that was that was. Uh, and this is a good example, I think, of just being open, right, to, to what comes your way. Uh, I mean, there's something to be said for being laser focused on your goals, but at the same time, you have to be open to, like, those sort of tangents that, yeah. oh, that might be worth pursuing for a while, right? Um, I had just finished graduate school. I would moved uh, back to Nashville. I'd, I'd been in Nashville, left to go to graduate school, and I moved back. I just started teaching at Belmont. And I was a ad, part-time adjunct, which meant I was probably teaching maybe two days a week. So I had a lot of spare time on my hands. And I was walking across campus one day. And this was back in the day when you'd see a bulletin board and there would be flyers on the bulletin board. And, like, I saw this thing. Some guy was looking for a Mac intern, someone with Mac experience and sequencing experience, right? Okay. And he had had phone numbers. He could tear off his phone number. So I called him up. And I actually knew knew him a little bit, um, and he said, yeah, I'm looking for an, a production intern. Would you be interested? I'm sure. So fast forward a year and a half later, I'd been working for him for free, you mm-hmm. know. Um, doing mail order demos which you probably know what that is I of don't course, know if you do yeah. but used to be in the back of songwriter magazines you could say hey turn your song into a you know full blown right. demo or whatever <laughs> and so we did that kind of work and and that's what he had me doing i was doing these demos oh which was again great training ground for me because i was producing the tracks you know i was you bringing the singers i'd produce the vocals and i'd mix it all and so it was i did the whole thing right I didn't realize what an education it was but it was great and so um, at year and a half it's like man I can't keep doing this for free he's like okay cool about six weeks go by and he calls me back he says man I really need you back and I'll pay you Um, so (laughs) I went back started working for him and at that time um, the guy was working for he was doing soaps and so he started slowly letting me get into that world and then eventually I passed the mail-order demo business on to the next intern. Oh, I got you. And yeah. then I started doing the soap you got stuff. got promoted to. Yeah, got promoted Now, to. the
0: soap opera stuff, was that uh, the theme song, or was that just like during sort of like it was uh, background music? Uh, underscore for, oh, I yeah.
1: stuff primarily. But, you know, think about they were on five days a week, and there were um, hour-long shows, which meant I think there was 20, about 22 to 25 minutes of music yeah. every day. Right. That's a lot of music throughout the and they
0: couldn't the use the same music for another they,
1: they would use i mean they reuse stuff like we, yeah. we we did a lot of theme based stuff like particular characters had a theme i see and yeah. so then we would write new cues based on that theme which again having that underlying knowledge of how music works was yeah. very helpful and the understanding thematic development and all those so like when you're
0: watching harry potter and and you there's a harry potter moment they had that little magical chime kind of thing that comes on princess leia on star wars every time she would come on she had her own theme that kind of thing yeah Well, and i was
2: gonna say i feel like the underscoring side of making a score for whether it's for film or for tv it's i feel like it's a lot more you have to be a lot more precise in terms of what you're actually making because I mean, it's really easy, I think, to, like, just create a theme song if you just, like, know the general vibe of the show. But if, you, if you're if you using an underscore for a specific moment, music can really change what the audience actually feels in that. Like, there's – you can actually find, uh, like, clips on the internet of movies and TV where iconic scenes or whatever of people who – you know, they ha- it was a really big moment in the show or the movie, and they just removed the music from it. I've and seen you, that, yeah. And and you all you just totally all of a sudden notice, right? and you're like, no. I am not feeling any emotion <laughs> right now. All right. of a sudden, yeah, yeah, it That's completely true. changes it. Oh, totally. And I
1: know a lot of um, you know we we talked earlier about teaching composition thing. When I've had those those few moments when I've had opportunities to teach a little bit about composition, one of the things. Um, and a, a lot of students do this now is they'll find those clips that have been stripped to the music and they'll rescore them. Ah, ooh, yeah, okay. Which is which is great training. It really right? is, it's like, yeah. Okay, can we change the mood of this scene, or can I create that same intensity with the music that I'm writing? So yeah, um, yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of great things that have resulted from the now. Me the personally,
0: technology. I love watching a film where there's a scene going on and it's real dark or something and they're playing music that's totally opposite of what you would think, like some kind of carnival thing or something. It makes it even weirder. Yeah. Know? I love movies like that, that where the director has chosen to play something that doesn't fit that scene in in a contrasting way. And I think that's right. entertaining to me.
2: Yeah. I, I think that also happens a lot of times in the musical theater world. Yeah, right. Like uh, I was, well, I wasn't in it, but I just... My, my school recently did The Fantastics, which is such a good musical, but we, like that could be a whole other conversation. But right. that play, what I think is so genius about that play is especially in the second act, they just use, they use, um, I guess like the music to, I guess, tell the not tell the audience how they should be feeling, but it kind of, you feel like something's wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, right. Or, the opposite, where the music is all happy, but the actors are showing you that yeah. the music is lying to you, I basically. See, yeah. Which, yeah. yeah, I love that. Music
0: is such an interesting thing when you talk about, like, you know, uh, for film or for TV or something like that. Did you um, find that super satisfying, or was it hard work for you to do the, the the stuff for the soap operas?
1: Both. I mean, it was it was hard, really labor intensive. Um, but really sad, musically satisfying um, and when you would
0: see the show and hear your music on there
1: yeah it, w- it was cool you know um, and it's still cool if one uh, every now and then I'll see or hear something um, yeah it was it, it's kind of it, it's one of those moments where it's like you you were in control of everything yeah. you know it's like I wasn't just the drummer you know uh, i created the you know that particular moment of a s- score you know and so th- it's really satisfying musically and and oddly enough the first time i ever heard myself on tv it was me playing piano and not drums wow. you know? which wild. was kind of in, kind of interesting <laughs> but it just
0: goes to show you that when you're a well-rounded musician like that and you can play you go to college and you learn the requirement things like you know keyboard and learn tone and learn how to read music and stuff like that how doors can open for you you just never know right yeah Um, and that's the thing
1: just being open so
0: andy uh one of the things i'm fascinated with is 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 that epiphany that moment that happens and i had it when i was about 13 about playing drums and was there ever a moment for you that happened Ooh. that that sort of like before you didn't think that drums was a possibility and all of a sudden something happened you saw something or something happened and you just went oh, that's what i want to do
2: so happened for you so i remember the reason i started drumming in first grade and it was more of a thing where it was just you know your parents want you to branch out or whatever so they were like we're gonna give you're gonna do music lessons so i just I, drums were just the instrument that i picked but I think for me, um, there's a couple, I, th- I think, key points and kind of that brought me to where I am right now. I would say the first time I was like, like I had already been playing for maybe a year or two, but I, I the first time I was really like amped up about learning something was um, I had for a gig I was playing. I had to learn uh, The Pretender by the Foo Fighters. Okay, right. And Back then, you know, it was just the easiest. Like we talked about, it's just the easiest thing that connected with me. So, and I, like at the time, I was like, I can't play that, but I want to be able to. So, you you end up, you know, annoying the hell out of your family for a week, just like banging on the drums until 9:30 p.m. Oh yeah, learning that song, and then so yeah, I would say that's the first song where I was really, uh, I could kind of feel like it was something I really wanted to do, like keep doing. I would say that um, while when the the hard rock stuff kind of fizzled out for me and coming to a new school and meeting this band that I'm in now was really good for me because um, we started, we, we brought in, we started, there was just four of us and then we brought in some more singers and we kind of, when we started playing like music festivals or gigs, we would be like, okay, well, you know, Playing rock music isn't always what's going to be good, so we would play R and B stuff, some funk music, and it was really, really fun to like become fascinated with other genres of music by like and learn that genre while I'm getting into it. I think wow. I think that was a big part of it um, because uh, that's another, that was kind of what helped me realize that like I w- wanted to be able to branch out and be able to play in a lot of different styles because it's a lot more fun just being able to, you know, m- being more knowledgeable about how the actual instrument works. Mm-hmm. And I think- Are you a hard hitter or, or do you, are you finesse? Um, I, so I wouldn't say I'm really either. <laughs> it kind of depends on, I guess the, um, you know, if what show we're doing, what song we're the playing. song, yeah, right, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Cause like I, like, I remember there was a show that my band did where it was just basically like my entire grade was there and we we closed with like Mr. Brightside I think and like in that moment yeah I'm like hitting it as hard as I can because I'm just like but um I would say I've had a lot more fun recently getting into the finesse of it and you know learning some R&B stuff like we've been doing some some Stevie Wonder some Silk Sonic and that's been really fun to do because uh you know it's you're not trying to Blast everybody's ears out whenever you play a smaller show um, because that's just not going to (laughs) work. Right, yeah, right.
0: You got to kind of fit the gig a little bit, you know? Yeah, we do sometimes we do these acoustic shows where it's just, I actually, as a drummer, get to sit up front with yeah. a little 16-inch kick drum and a little floor tom and just a very small little cocktail kit that i put together and i'm right there on the front row and we're all lined up kind of like the eagles of you know like yeah. the, the <laughs> hell freezes over tour, and it's so fun because you know there's no click track there's no nothing we just play and whatever this music that comes out of all five of us or four of us or how many of us
2: doing the acoustic thing
0: it's just like magic it just happens you know and that's what i love about being yeah in the band.
2: acoustic stuff is fun i'll just sometimes i'll just bring my cajon to a show if it's acoustic and you know I don't really do much in that show but it's just fun to it's fun to be a part of it because I also play some guitar so I get to get in on that a bit too on those acoustic shows so it's a lot of fun
0: Uh, I just bought this thing uh, called a it's called a, a log jam And it's a little thing it looks like a guitar pedal with no switch on it you plug it in and you tap it with your foot and it sounds like a kick drum it's so cool and uh, our lead singer was telling me about it sometimes he does shows where it's just him and his guitar and he has this little log jam that he puts on the floor and he taps his foot on it and it kind of creates the the bass drum sound so i was fascinated by that so i bought one and they played it for me in the store you know they said here try it out plug it into this amp and it just sounded like a bass drum it was amazing it was like And, uh, but yeah, that would be a cool way to do, to add to your cajon is yeah. uh, one of those little things and plug it into a little amp or something. The like newer that. technology
2: that is definitely adding to people being able to do, you know, solo acoustic stuff and being really creative in terms of how am I going to make as much music possible with as few hands possible. I think that's yeah. really cool. Right. Well, so, um, so Todd, um, what's, what's
0: coming up for you? I mean, are you doing more shows? And another question I had about the steel, steel drum band, like, uh, -hmm. I had some questions about that, but I was just wanted to ask, you know, what's coming up for you? What's, what's new?
1: Any new shows? Um, yeah, actually it's a kind of a busy week, I guess for me, um, (laughs) Uh, I had a steel drum thing earlier today. Um, tomorrow, uh, my jazz trio is actually playing at the airport. So anybody oh, going tomorrow. to the airport tomorrow? Anybody flying out? <laughs> from twelve to two, uh, we'll be at one of the stages at the airport. Um, what else have we got going on? Then uh, yeah, another like a couple of solo steel drum gigs. One on Friday, one on Saturday, and then Saturday night, um, playing with a trio at Eddie V's downtown on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, not down in the honky tonk area but a couple blocks up uh, it's, it's a nice nice uh, seafood restaurant cool. uh, but there's uh, always great trios in there on the weekends and so um i'm usually down there playing once or twice a month and so yeah. i'm down there on uh, saturday night i guess cool. with so a new singer i've not ever worked with so i, I got about 200 songs to listen to between now and that's cool. Saturday so how night. does the steel
0: drum band work? Uh, is it How many steel drums are there? Are there other instruments, or is it just steel drums?
1: If it's a full band thing, it's um, two steel drummers. There'll be a, a, a lead pan, um, and then someone playing double seconds, which is two two drums, lead pan's one. Uh, so two steel drummers, uh, bass guitar, and then a drum set. Oh, that's that, cool. that configuration. And we do a lot of... I uh, you know, just a lot of solo gigs, um, and then a lot of duo gigs as well. It's got well. a big Mediterranean
0: sort of sound to it, right? You Not
1: know, like Mediterranean. Uh, oh no, no. <laughs> uh, Caribbean. Caribbean. That's what I meant yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very Caribbean sound, yeah. It would be cool to do some
0: Mediterranean yeah. stuff with a pan. I don't road, even know but. what I'm saying. Mediterranean. I was just <laughs> I meant to say Caribbean. But
1: uh yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's um, I had never seen one or played one until I went to graduate school. And uh, easily the best thing I got out of graduate school was wow, learning how to play awful. steel drum. <laughs> wow! Um, and and I never dreamed when I moved back to Nashville I'd get to play that much. But there's there's a sort of small club of of steel drummers here in town, and we all you know work together. We all have our own bands. Uh, and so whoever books the gig, is we go by that band. It's name, their band. This but their, it's, it's always, almost always the same people. Well, that's cool. It's cool. I mean, it's, it's a great community of players. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And the music just makes you feel good. So. And you're going to keep teaching for as long as you can? As long as, as long as my body <laughs> as long as the, and my, as long as my health holds out, I'm going to keep teaching and playing. That's awesome, man. No I, plans to retire. I never did go to college.
0: I just got out of high school, and I knew I wanted to play drums, and I knew what I'd needed to know to do that and college just wasn't for me but um I turned out okay but I kind of wished I had gone and learned from someone like yourself
1: well I appreciate you saying that you might not say that if you took a few lessons from me but um (laughs) no you know it makes me think of this you were talking about the epiphany thing uh and I know you'd mentioned that to me before we started um it's funny uh I'll give you two quick moments as I think back on, on that. There was, I was in high school, and, and there's always been, uh, for me personally, there's always been an underlying sort of spiritual com- component to this um, and feeling like this is what I'm called to do, right? This is what yeah. I was put on this earth to do, right? And so there was a moment for me in high school where, when I felt that. Um, but then when I started college, I actually started college as a mechanical engineering major. Right. Wow. Um, based on you know a, a lot of people, my high school was like, yeah, you, don't do music. You should do this. Right. And so um, I was in school. I'd been doing that for about a year, and I, I was registering for classes. And um, my physics lab was going to keep me from taking percussion ensemble. And that was a moment for me when I was like, nope, it's time to change majors. Wow. You yeah. know so. It was not just like light bulb kind of thing from a playing standpoint. It was like, no, I really want to do this more than I want to do this. It's so, that fork
0: in the road that you had yeah. to make that decision. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that that was one of those moments for me. Wow. You know?
0: Yeah my moment was uh i'll just share with you real quick i've mentioned it before in my podcast but for those that are just tuning in uh, i was 13 years old and i was playing trumpet in band because they already had enough drummers apparently and they i wasn't able to sign up for the drum line they're like got enough drummers move on so my backup instrument was was um was uh trumpet because my dad had played trumpet. So anyway, I was playing trumpet for about two years. I was 13, seventh grade, you know, walking out of the band room, sat down on my trumpet case as kind of a metaphor. I sat down on my trumpet case <laughs> to use it as a chair. And there was a other guy, there was two trombone players and a, uh, a guy that played clarinet, but they were playing guitars, bass, drums, that kind of thing. It was a little three piece. They were rehearsing for the talent show and they were self rehearsing. And I had never seen that before. I'd never seen a band internally it would stop in the song and go wait uh, the drummer's saying hey try that other bass note that didn't sound right and then someone's saying okay let's try it again and starting it off and that kind of thing and that just turned me on i just loved it counting the song in i saw that guy back there that i knew was a trombone player and he was back there playing drums and i went <gasps> That's what i want to do i want to be just seeing it in person like that made me, it seem more real to me like it wasn't just a fantasy just a dream it was like i really could do that i could play what he's exactly playing because i already knew i could play drums i just didn't think i was allowed to or something you know? <laughs> i didn't think I was a possibility because i played trumpet so uh that's when i started focusing that was that changed everything for me i slowly started phasing out the trumpet i was still good at it but i still practiced trumpet and i still liked it but i secretly started acquiring drums and started playing and really knew that i wanted to be a drummer so what about you did you um you um like did that slowly evolve for you like just starting with the drum and you said you'd been playing since you were in first grade but
2: right um yeah so i think that um i think something that was actually pretty big for me in terms of actually realizing that i really wanted to do it was there was kind of there was I started in first grade but there was kind of like a dead period for me where I didn't wasn't really playing from I think it was around when I was in sixth grade to around the end of seventh grade because that's when I switched schools and I was I I did the school of rock program here in Nashville oh that's cool yeah yeah right. and the, like I said the the Foo Fighter song that's yeah. the gig I had to learn that for but switching schools and um dealing with all that I wasn't doing school of rock anymore so there wasn't I didn't have really anything to like play for. Like I didn't have anybody yeah. to play for. And I got to Ensworth where I go to school, and I met um, I met my now bandmates who were saying, um, "Do you want to come to one of our rehearsals?" Uh, and I just said, "Sure." They had a drummer at the time, um, but I just I just stopped by and I, I they kind of plugged me into one song, and it was kind of something new of like getting to play music with like my friends, I guess mm-hmm. is I'd always just kind of been plugged into a group and actually being able to be part of the creative process was, I think something that like really rejuvenated, like how much I actually loved it. Like my favorite part of it now is getting to listen to songs that, you know, the songwriters in the band have written and then, you know, seeing how the song turns out after I've written my part for it. I yeah. Think that's coming up with that, how you're going to play that drum. Part. Right. Yeah. That's always the because thing. once the, you know once the whole band comes in to a song that's been been written it will end up completely different than how you would you know think it would turn out which is something i i think is really fascinating is the, like the process of well this is we right now we have a chord progression and lyrics and a general melody and then getting to the end where it's the feel might be completely different yeah we've changed time signatures one time it's right, like yeah. you know sometimes it's just, do you
0: find that you have to be really open-minded to that because somebody else in the band may say I don't
2: th- let's let's make it a shuffle yes. or let's
0: go slower or whatever
2: yeah so one of the biggest things and I, i've done an interview before where they asked about this and the i think my like my biggest philosophy when it comes to it is you can never get too attached to how you envision the song turning out because when you've got a lot of very good musicians in a room all working together, if you all put a piece of it in, in like, of your own, if you all, all put your own piece into it, then it's going to end up a lot better than if one person had decided how everything was going to go.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a bunch of songwriters in the room right getting their, their little part.
2: Yeah.
1: That's cool. Um, great producers, I think, most of the time, not all the time, but... They don't really do much. They just put the right musicians together. They cast it. They cast, yeah. they cast yeah. the roles. Yeah. I mean, I say they don't do much. That's a really important <laughs> yeah. thing they do. but That's probably the most of, important thing right. about being a producer. They're not like micromanaging these players. Right. They just know who to, to put together to make it happen. Or
0: if it's not happening, what to do to kind of bring yeah. things along to kind of like fix it. You know, yeah. like I've seen producers do that before.
1: Yeah, That's a very mature view. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Of, so, of do you think you might
0: might be
2: interested in going to Belmont? Uh, I'm definitely going to apply to Belmont. <laughs>
0: okay, well, you know there's who to a, you yeah. know who to talk to now. So, and yeah. and
1: like you said, you're interested in the music business side. of Yes, this, which is kind of a completely different school from where I'm at. But it's, I mean, isn't it the biggest? Great.
2: Isn't it like the most common major at Belmont? I know I think it's very it well taught there.
1: Yeah, right now, I think it is the largest largest program there, um, and it's a great program. And um, there's been a lot of great players that have come through that school that were. Music majors, and there's been a lot of great players that have come through that weren't music majors. They were music business majors, right. or maybe even something else. But uh, there's just there's so many musicians there that there you have opportunities. I think at a school like that, that some places you you don't have. Plus, I mean, one of the big attractions to that school is just the location, right? I and mean, that's that's why I ended up here, yeah, because um, I knew I uh, I wanted to work in some major music hub it was la new york or nashville those were the main three at the time it hasn't changed a lot but um and i didn't want to live in new york or la right so i'm coming to nashville you know
0: so what would would be the best advice for you to give a young aspiring musician college or not college that's looking to get into the music business
1: what would be your best advice to them um well, I think one of the things I mentioned earlier is just understanding that it, it really is about relationships. I mean, you've got to be able to play, obviously. Yeah. You've got to know your instrument and you've got to be able to play. But um, you have to know how to work with people because music is a collaborative art form. Um Thankfully, yeah. uh, I mean, that's the thing I love about it more than anything else, I think, is that collaboration, you know, that yeah. being in a band. I mean, how cool is it to be in a band for how 30 years or almost for you? Um, that's a cool thing to have that kind of collaborative spirit. And and that's all born out of your just the ability to manage your relationship. So that's really important. Um, I think another thing is 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 um, putting yourself in position to be successful. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to be a player, you can't do that in Gainesville, Georgia, where I grew up. Right. I mean, I could play. I could play country club gigs and things like that for the rest of my life, and that's cool if that's what you you're going to be a
0: massive, massive session player right. in you're that not, town.
1: No, you're not. That's just just doesn't exist there, right? Um, and so, put yourself and uh, put yourself in a position to be successful, whether that's you know, the school you choose to go to, or the location, uh, or the people that you you surround yourself with, um, yeah. those are the kinds of things that make a big difference.
0: My biggest um, advice to people about that career advice is just to work, because you can tell when it, you see a drummer play, you hear them, you know that they have played so much. They've like Buddy Rich. Watching Buddy Rich play that's experience right there that's like millions of hours of playing he makes it look so effortless (laughs) of course he just his hands are like magic and you know that didn't happen you know in the first six months he was playing you know so and and what i always tell people is just work you know like work in the studio right get together with people jam practice uh you know anything you could possibly do just to keep playing and keep working and keep that experience and a, a bass player told me years ago Uh, a guy down in dallas that uh, and i've always followed this advice he said he said don't worry about making money just work just work as much as you can and the money will come and and it had you know that's exactly
1: right yeah i think that's true um yeah just the idea of like learning to and not everybody would agree with this probably but i think it's important to learn to love Practicing.
0: Right, yes. That's what Vinny Cagliuta had said one time. He embraced the whole learning process, and that's what made him a better drummer.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, and when you can you take the long view, you know, it's like, okay, this is going to kill me working on this for the next six months. But, man, if I work on it for the next six months, what is it going to allow me to do yeah. two years from now? There you go. So learning to take the long view, which is, again, it's, it's difficult for any of us to do that because we're such a— instant gratification kind of culture um it's counter-cultural to take the yeah. long view in in many ways these days but um that's the way to build a successful career i think
0: yeah well andy best of luck to you and your future we're going to be watching out for your <laughs> band and the name of your band again is
2: fly to the sun fly to the sun i'm going to check it out you've got stuff on youtube and all that stuff right? uh youtube music apple music spotify amazon cool. basically everywhere uh, so yeah,
0: Todd London. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your uh, infinite wisdom and <laughs> your, your your great experience with us, and, uh, and talking to Andy. And um, uh, this has been Keith Rainwater, Todd London, and Andy Waller, right here on Designated Drummer. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys.